To the uh, Mike Love Hate podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, this is ex- that's exactly what always, this is. That's exactly what this is. As always, I'm joined by my good friend Keaton Fire, and uh, I'm Jake Del Mastro, and this is actually Cranky Commentaries. Well done. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what this is. So, uh, fuck Mike Love. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, we are 
we are returning to talk about Love and Mercy, the Brian Wilson biopic thing. Yeah, I, is this episode going to be called Fuck Like Mike Love and Mercy? <laughs> oh, maybe. Uh, that would be good. Or just Love and Mike. <laughs> <laughs> love and, yeah, Fuck Love and Mike. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we'll get into why that we're so we're taking that hard stance right off the top. I mean, I don't think that's a particularly unpopular stance. No, no, no. I think if you know anything about what we're talking about, you you'll probably already know yeah. why that is. But if you don't know why, we'll get into that later. We took that the soft stance uh, last week, but we're we're definitely taking a hard. Well, I don't know that it was a soft stance. I think we were pretty yeah, hard I don't know last that it was week a soft too. Stance, but. We literally ended the podcast with fuck yeah, my club. Yeah, no, it's true. But the <laughs> <laughs> but but the point is it uh it um we didn't go into why, which we will go into this week. Yeah, now we're gonna inform you as to why you should all hate my club exactly. as well. So that's gonna be a lot of and some other things maybe about. Yeah, we the might movie. talk about the movie a bit. I don't know. But this is a this is a yeah. big as I said last <laughs> week. This is a big truth week because this is a based on a true story. So that's gonna absorb. Uh, I'm gonna say. 80 percent of our time times. today, but it's gonna be worth it. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Well, we'll It'll see. Be It'll be worth it. Good. Well, you'll see when we get there. So, what did we talk about last week? That well, we did the five minute outline for the first time. Uh, oh yeah, the yeah. Five minute summary, and then we talked about like the whole kind of lead up. You know, the production. We talk, yeah, we talked about production and stuff. Uh, we talked about Trek. And, uh, yeah, well, and then also the whole thing oh, about yeah, and, the uh, film. How did they shoot it? Yeah. So this week we're going to talk about, uh, 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 like I said, production, music, and truth. Sick. I mean, yeah, music, I guess there is a lot to talk about. Yeah, well, the music is kind of... Yeah, well, we'll, we'll get into it. Now let's talk about the production a bit. Really, there's not a hell of a lot to talk about because, you know, it's a relatively recent film. They're pretty uh, pretty on the ball, mostly, unless they're independent. Yeah, I mean, I also think with recent films, like, all the interesting information has yet to come out. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know? I mean, I'm sure there's... All the juicy bits. It's true. We just need a few more years. You know, years. people are worried about getting other people mad. Exactly. In 20 years, people won't care, and we'll get some more juicy bits, hopefully. Exactly. That is if anybody cares about the movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who who's honestly seen this movie? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, based on uh, the numbers we did on this last episode, I don't think very many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was kind of thinking a similar thing. <laughs> 28.6 million worth of people, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Filmed... Filmed it mostly in Louisiana and California. I mean, you can tell mostly that the California shots when it's California, particularly the outdoor shots. Yeah, well, I mean, it very much looks like L.A. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then the parts that were inside the old recording studios are, you know, those are old recording yeah, studios we, in L.A. we talked about that last. Which is where they were, right? Week, which, which specifically, I wanted to mention that apparently uh, Bill Poland was saying that for those, like, recording sessions when they were filming it, it was like a super organic thing because he wanted obviously as we talked about last week they wanted to get that sort of documentary handheld feel yeah, which yeah, is yeah. why they used those those cameras mm-hmm. so apparently uh he said paul dano basically directed those like they had real musicians and i sorry i forgot to mention that part that's kind of important um because they were playing like kind of they were playing real music and i think we'll talk about that when they when we get to the music i think they kind of mixed it all in together 
Yeah, maybe that's why some of the uh, lines came off as so stupid because they were improvised. Well, that's what I was just gonna say. Yeah, exactly. Is I think uh, there was that other bit that I was thinking of, like the line where Carol Kay like shows him the score and is like, uh, you know, it's not gonna work because um, you're it's playing not in the in right key. Keys. Yeah, it's like, did you make a mistake here? It's like, no, man, that's what I meant to do. It's like, no, I'm <laughs> I'm Brian Wilson. I'm just that I'm smart. A genius. <laughs> Like, yeah, are you? It's like, what the fuck? I don't know, man. <laughs> I know. I don't know. Maybe that's what Brian Wilson actually talked like. Who knows? He's a weirdo. Yeah, weird yeah. Guy. I mean, he does talk weirdly when you watch his interviews. But Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like you said, they, they, he the pulled so there. He kind of just improvised those sessions um, based on his uh, trying, attempting to get into uh, uh, Brian Wilson's head. The head of because I don't know if we yeah. talked so much about that I mean, last week. How the actors tried to get into the head of <laughs> Brian Wilson. Yeah, I think we talked a little bit yeah, about we didn't John talk Cusack. About Paul Dano as much. Apparently, it was kind of like yeah, who you know, according to a lot of people, did the better job. But I think that most of that just has to do with the fact that he looks like I Brian agree. Wilson, whereas I agree, John Cusack and doesn't. It's a more recognizable it, yeah period of Brian Wilson. Yeah, a period of him, yeah. Um, so Exactly. Well, it's okay. So it says here that uh, um, according to Paulette, um, Robert Yeoman uh, was, quote, purposely kept out of the rehearsals, so he never really knew what was coming. He just had to get Oh, it. so he could just kind of roll around there like he was doing a documentary? Exactly. So it was like, it's kind of interesting. That's a good plan, I think. A good way of getting that. I mean, it is and it isn't. Huh? <laughs> It's like, if you want to make it like a documentary, yeah, I guess that's the way to do it. But, I mean, like, you know, him being able to plan his shots is, I guess, kind of useful. Yeah, I mean, maybe he hated that. It's true. Maybe he's just like, look, I'm a professional. I know how to make it look like a fucking documentary. Don't fucking, like, you know, don't. Yeah, don't make me do this method shit. Yeah, like, shit. treat me like a fucking professional. I get that as well. I totally get that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what he was like. Yeah, maybe who knows? Maybe it. they collaborated on that idea. Um, but yeah, like most of the, like, uh, interesting stuff about making of this movie I found had to do with just like the fact that the music was like kind of woven into, um, like actual music, you know? And they had kind of Paul Dano's singing woven into Brian Wilson's singing. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk more about that. The music then. Um, yeah. So obviously there's a lot of Beach Boys music (laughs) in this movie. Suck if they didn't have that. Yeah, it might be an interesting movie to yeah, have a would. movie about Brian Wilson with <laughs> no Beach Boys songs in it. Didn't they make that Jimi Hendrix movie Did without they? any Jimi Hendrix know. music? What's it called? It's called Jimmy All Is By My Side. So it includes songs that Hendrix performed uh, shortly before the release of his debut album. So. When yeah, it and it out? stars uh, Andre 3000 as Jimi Hendrix. So now, 2013. I've never heard of it, so I assume it was terrible. A year before this movie. Yeah, uh, that's kind of an aside. So yeah, so the th- so the film the the soundtrack was done by uh, um, a guy named Atticus Ross, who has done a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, that has been you know highly touted, but. Not necessarily that's in my wheelhouse, if you know what I mean. Not necessarily in terms of the music. 
Yeah, right. exactly. I see a picture of him but with like, so Trent like Reznor. Done, you know, like Social <laughs> Network, <laughs> like computer. never a film I really got into. Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, never really a film I got into. Um, Gone Girl, never... E- right. Well, did I just name? It's true. I did all David the ones Fincher I just named. David Fincher movies. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and yeah. Apparently, um, I don't like David Fincher movies that so much. So I guess he likes to work with David Fincher. David but, Fincher likes um, to work with him. But yeah, so he's. I guess not. Yeah, he likes that. But he 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 got into apparently Love and Mercy. He was saying that like he liked the Bill Pollard's vision for how the music was gonna be. Um. And he's apparently kind of picky about, you know, w- the kind of films he does. <laughs> right. Which is why he's, uh, you know, in some movies I don't like, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know. I have a feeling, though, like, with a movie like this, like, I feel like nobody's going to remember, like, the score. Yeah, the <laughs> score is not at all really that important. I mean, it it's is. It's like they're only going to remember, like, the 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 Beach Boys music that's in it. Yeah. And I think, but I think what's done well is that the Beach Boys music bleeds into the score really well. Right. Because what they do is mm. they, they use the actual Beach Boy masters and they kind of like merged it in. Mm. Um, uh, Bullet, co- Bullet commented on the film's use of original Beach Boy multi-track session tapes. Quote, so much of what developed out of it was based on the ability to get into the into tracks. From a music perspective, certainly the ability of Atticus and I to get into the tracks and play with them was important. Also, to have the music in the film was important. Okay. So they kind of, like, overdubbed their own bits onto the multi-track there from exactly, yeah, the Beach yeah. Boys sessions. They, like... Yeah, it's pretty that's cool. That's kind of cool. And I think that's how they were able to kind of merge the, uh, the vocals so well, you know what I mean? Like... <laughs> Have Paul Dano yeah, definitely. Into, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I was I was convinced that Paul Dano was the guy singing yeah, on those totally. records. I, you know, say what you will about this movie, but there were some pretty convincing musical moments, and I think probably yeah. a lot of that does have to do with you know the fact that they had session musicians, actual musicians playing their instruments, like actually, it just looks. Do you think real. John Cusack plays the piano? No, I don't no. think so. That was just what okay. I was just to say. That was the one thing I don't think I don't because you don't see his hands playing the piano and they don't look like they're playing. What the sound is? It's the one thing where yeah. it doesn't look like it's happening. I was just trying to think. Did, did, was Paul Dano actually playing the piano? Paul Dano does actually play the piano. He actually he does, learned okay. how to play the piano because I think it, it it was required more of him for his bits. Yeah, because he actually like, had a few scenes where he had to sit at the piano and play a song. Yeah, like went. When he writes good vibrations. Yeah, when he writes good vibrations, when he plays, when he gets into a fight with his dad. Yeah, and yeah, and the scene where he's fighting with his dad. I think he's yeah. Playing, he's playing there. And he sings as well. And there yeah. was that quote that, <laughs> that he had last week where... That that he that, uh, was by Brian Wilson, where Brian Wilson referenced John Cusack. Singing. But I don't remember where John Cusack is singing all that much. No. So I think he might actually be talking about Paul Dano. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um, According to Mike Love, which I know is controversial. Well, that's very controversial. I know. As Mike Love is an enemy of this podcast. Exactly. He is an enemy of this podcast. He's also invited on the podcast. Yeah, he's invited on the podcast. To come and defend himself. (laughs) Um, 
for sure. But he apparently said that Brian Wilson went to the studio to record f- for this movie as well. Okay. I mean, that doesn't necessarily jive with what Brian said. No, <laughs> it doesn't, does it? Because Brian was like, I didn't really do anything. No, I think movie. he I think he just sh- went, he may have gone and like listened, you know, but I don't think, yeah. he, I don't think he actually played yeah. that. Yeah, okay. Because here's what yeah. it says. Okay, it says in June 2014, Mike Love reported that Wilson had been in the studio recording music, which would be used in the film, but. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he was recording unrelated music. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, who knows what he was up to. And who knows what Mike Love's talking about. Yeah, I mean, Mike Love is nuts. <laughs> exactly. You know, people say that Mike Love is crazy. <laughs> Do people say that? <laughs> well, that's what Mike Love was saying, remember? Yeah. <laughs> you know, people say that Mike Love is crazy. It's like, yeah, because you fucking are... St- rambling at the <laughs> yeah anyway um, uh, yeah okay well, we'll talk about Mike Love more later yeah. um, so should we get into the all important meat and potatoes and stew and like bones of uh, yeah sure let's get right let's get down to it man I guess Welcome to the truth. We're get to the bottom of true things. And very true things we are getting to the bottom of today. Because it's based on a true story. Yeah, and Brian these Wilson. things that were depicted in the movie more or less happened. Mostly. Well, that's, that's the plan here. We're going to go through... I've compiled an extremely basic true history... Of the Beach A Boys. true history as opposed to a fake history. As opposed to a dramatized history. A very brief true history of the Beach Boys in the periods that the film covers and a little bit beforehand to give you some context. Um, okay. So what's going to happen is I'm going to go through it and you're... We're going to talk about like where the movie differs and such? Yeah, exactly. If it does... Oh. So, yeah, you have to stay on it. Make sure you see if you can find anything. All right. So, we're going to start with talking about Murray Wilson. Yeah. Uh, who is Murray Wilson for everybody who doesn't know? He's in the movie. Well, I mean, his, 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 there's a character of him. Somebody plays yeah, him. Yeah, there's, there's an actor playing him. He's Brian Wilson's pops. Right. And Brian and movie? Carl and uh, Dennis. And Dennis, yeah. Yeah. And in the movie, he's depicted as... Bad guy. Yeah, bad guy, definitely. Not a good guy. Um, um, based on what I've read about him, I think that he's in general not a good guy. He seems like a pretty, uh, pretty bad guy. <laughs> so he and and his wife, I think it was Mary. Is it Murray and Mary Wilson? No, Audrey. Audrey, I don't, I don't know, know where you, I don't know where the fuck you got Mary. Mary, probably from Murray. <laughs> it's Audrey, 
Yeah. So Murray and Audrey Wilson, uh, uh, their first child is Brian. Brian's the oldest. They they live in a kind of a suburb of uh, of L.A. California called Hawthorne. Right. In Hawthorne, they build airplanes, and that's what Murray Wilson does. He builds airplanes, but he's also moonlighting as a songwriter. And he's trying to get into the music business, and he kind of peaks when he has a song played on uh on Lawrence Welk's radio show in the uh, in the early fifties. Okay. Was it any good? What was it called? It's called <laughs> Side Step Two Step or something. I think it was, you know, pretty run-of-the-mill. Nothing particularly right. interesting. Nothing to write home about. But, yeah, he, he, he really wanted to do that, but, you know, didn't really uh, do an amazing job. I think he wrote one song that became a hit. I don't recall what it was called. But uh, it was, like, just, it was a short-lived hit. And, you know, you know how hits are in the 50s. Right. <laughs> They're churned out. Yeah, exactly. So it definitely seems like you beat them. Uh, that seems like that's true. Yes. Uh, as John Cusack has that long scene yeah, with in the movie. Yeah, that really uncomfortable scene. Where he discussed being hit by his father. Apparently Murray tied Brian to a tree as a child once. Pretty rough. And Brian was apparently deaf in one ear, which he said in that scene, I believe. Brian is deaf in one ear, but it was uh it was unconfirmed yeah. that it was Murray beating him. It's uh, in the I I watched a documentary that said that the rumor was that it was because Murray seems beat reasonable. him. <laughs> seems reasonable, but who knows? Yeah. Um, so according to yeah, Brian's ex-wife did a, a pretty massive interview as well in this uh in this mm-hmm. um uh, documentary. Her name is uh Marilyn uh, Wilson. Okay, uh, so she was also in uh. In the film, Love and Mercy. Yeah, she appears in Love and Mercy as a character. Once again, an actor. Yeah, not, not her, her, the character. Herself, her, yeah. She's played yeah. by an actress. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is she play? Who's the actress that plays her? Is that? Aaron Dark. I don't know who, I don't know who that is. Mm. Yeah, apparently he always just made Brian incredibly insecure. She she talks about their relationship quite a bit, which we'll, we'll touch on a little bit more. So uh, in the movie, I don't know if they talk actually how much they talk about it in, in the movie, but. It was apparently Brian, uh, Brian's kind of motivation that got everything going. You know, like he he would listen to harmonies, you know, and play them on the piano and pick apart, you know, what all the pieces were and teach them to the family. Right. Um, and then eventually, uh, um, eventually you have Mike Love because he's their cousin. He gets involved in the in the whole music making thing, and they get their friend from high school, Al Jardine. Uh, and then there you go. That you have the the original Beach Boys lineup. Sick. Yeah. Um. Apparent. According to the the documentary I watched again, parts of it were a bit over dramatic. So, what was the documentary you watched called again? Uh, what was it called? Um. It's just called. I think it was just called a Brian Wilson biography. It was an A and E documentary. Right. Okay. This it said that uh, it was their their mother who said that they needed to include Dennis in the band oh, yeah. early on. Um. So they made him the drummer. Classic. Yeah, classic. I know, right? Why is it always the drummer? I don't know. You know, you can count to four. You can blow the drums. Yeah, you can count to four. You can blow the drums. One, two, three, <laughs> four. Bing, bang, yeah. boom, bong. Um, and then. Apparently, he was the actual only surfer in the band. Um, That's hilarious. Yeah. I think it's pretty clear if you just take a look at Brian Wilson that he doesn't surf. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. Can you imagine him on a surfboard? I could. I I can because I've seen it. <laughs> well, other than in that, in that, no, what you saw was Dewey Cox on a surfboard. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's what you saw. You better check again. Um, I have seen him on a surfboard, and he does not look very comfortable. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that. Are you talking about that video? Uh, yeah. That comes up later. We'll talk about that. According to Brian Wilson's uh, induction speech at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh, which if you've seen oh, the video... The, 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 the infamous Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction of the Beach Boys. Yeah, so if you're familiar with this video, you know Mike Love fucking ruined it because he's a piece of shit. Yeah. But during his speech, he says that, uh, Brian says that him and him, him and Mike wrote the first single that the Beach Boys ever, ever recorded while their par- parents were out of town for the weekend. Uh, and they left them emergency money, but then they, uh, which they used to rent instruments. And then Dennis suggested they wrote a song about surfing because he surfed. <laughs> so they wrote a song, and guess what it was called? Was it called Surfing? That's exactly what it was called. <laughs> uh, and they recorded it, and uh, they pressed a single under a relatively small label uh, because, you know, y- to Murray's credit, he was at least pretty supportive in this. You know, yeah. I, I mean, he certainly uh, seemed to be able to, do, uh, you know, uh, help them put everything together early on. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Like he, uh, who knows what his motivations were, but he definitely, like, you know, he put the instruments in Brian's hands, and you know, he, uh, yeah, he got them to a studio to record a single. So he's a complicated figure. He's more than just a villain. You know, he's more yeah. than just the, an enemy in, yeah. the, in Brian Wilson's way. <laughs> yeah, he's not Michael. Up. <laughs> Precisely. Um. <laughs> so, you know, the single wasn't surfing. I don't think did amazingly, but I think it it did surprisingly well considering they're nobody, right? And when they heard their song on the radio, apparently Carl got so excited that he <laughs> threw up. <laughs> Wait, what? Because well, how does that I don't happen? Know, have you ever seen that thing you do? Uh, that's that. Wait, what is that? That Tom Hanks no, movie about the one-hit wonder band called The Wonders. Oh, no, I actually haven't uh, seen that movie, I fucking no. love that movie. There's a scene where they hear their music on the radio for the first time, and I think it's based off of this story. Anyway. I feel like Tom Hanks came up in one of these episodes because he was going to be in something but ended up not being in it because of that That thing movie. you do? Yeah, it's definitely come up before. But, yeah, basically they blew up and recorded just a ridiculous amount of music and records. Mostly about surfing at first, yeah, yeah. And yeah. and it's all and Brian summer. Wilson. Huh? And women. And cars. And cars. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, so and that's kind of where we're at in the beginning of the film, right? Basically, yeah. At this point, Brian Wilson is like, he moves out at 21. He moves out of his house. You know, the Bri- the Beach Boys are becoming a huge thing. He kind of like, he meets uh, uh, Marilyn, you know. Basically, the thing that like changed everything for him <laughs> came in 1963. Uh, when a song by the name of Be My Baby came out. And that song was produced by a psychopath by the name of Philip Spector. Brian was a big fan of Phil Spector, right? Phil changed Brian's life. 
Yeah, Brian was young and impressionable. Uh, Phil was also young, but Phil was not impressionable, I don't think. Phil was the impression. <laughs> um, yes. So he basically just try started trying to be F- Phil Spector because he had access because he had so made so many records, already charted a bunch of times. He he had the opportunity to hire all the same musicians as Phil, you know, the wrecking crew people. He walked into the music industry and just his 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 talent just got him there. This whole Phil Spector thing seems to kind of have lit a fire underneath him because the Beach Boys released four albums in 1964. So this is this is like really where that Jeez, I don't know how you have time to do that exactly. shit. Exactly. And like um, tour and shit. Well, um, because Brian hated touring. So, uh, in the movie, they talked about having fired Murray Wilson. Did that happen at this point yet? That hasn't happened yet. Oh, okay. not quite yet. Apparently, hearing he he heard tales of uh, debauchery on their tours. <laughs> Murray, yeah, did? Murray did, and the uh, the documentary described it as a heavy drinking and venereal infection. <laughs> yeah. So wait, wait. How 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 do we all know that this re- this this documentary is any more reliable than this film? Uh, because like I, uh, a lot of it is Groff re- referenced. Only some of the more dramatic things that like are is truly from the documentary. Because I uh, I also looked at a book as well, and you know, some articles, uh, quotes from actual people. You know what I mean? Like people they're interviewing. Right, because they were in the documentary yeah. or whatever. Um, but who knows if those people are telling yes. the truth? So I mean, Mike Love claims that exactly. he wrote Exactly. Anyone can say so, anything. Like, you know. I wrote California Girls. I just said that. Yeah, exactly. Um, yep. It's not true, but I said it. Mike Love's probably going to sue you. Yeah, it's true. Maybe you should cut that out. <laughs> yeah, Marie just is, essentially, he's like, you guys are debaucherous. Even though you're all adults, I'm your tour manager. I'm going to take over. Uh, um, yeah. But yeah, he uh. was... Uh, he was he was a piece of work, Murray, and we'll talk about that right now. So, um, do you want to play the clip? Brian, your voice is shrilling through everybody. Carl, we can't hear Carl. We can hear Dennis, but we can't hear Mike. We can't hear Mike, and we can hardly hear hear Al. Okay, now wait a second. Me? Can we hear a chord? Just a chord, like we used to when you used to sing clear records. Okay, let's go. Brian, I'm a genius too. Let's go, huh? One, two, three. She was gonna be my wife, and I was gonna be her man. Yeah, so that was a little bit from a recording session. Like, uh, do you know what song that was? I, mean, I guess it was from. Was the song Rhonda? Rhonda, yeah. Well, yeah. I, there might be more. Love you, Rhonda. Love me, Rhonda. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, um, it th- basically there's this whole clip that's uh, out there of. Murray Wilson in a Beach Boys recording session. Just clearly nobody else wants him to be there. And he's just trying to give pointers to the band, which they don't particularly care for. Yeah. And they're just like, they're like, uh, one of the great quotes from Brian, what is it? He says, like, we like our our sessions to be relaxed environments. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because he's like yelling at them, being like, you know, you're flat, you're flat. It's like, okay, what? You got a lot of money? You know what you're doing? Like, I'm a genius too, Brian. Yeah. So that kind of behavior uh, 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 pushes Brian to fire Murray as the manager. Yeah. Uh, which is probably a good call. Yeah, I mean, there's only so far I think he could have yeah, got exactly. them, too. Um, but that apparently devastated Murray. And then uh, then things get interesting because, uh, you know, this is summer of 1964. <sighs> um, you know. Is that where the movie is? Basically, yeah. The movie starts with uh, something we're about to talk about in a second, but who comes to the states in 1964? Is it the Beatles? Yeah, 
basically he gets into a musical fist fight with Paul McCartney. And he said, uh, quote, I was so jealous of the Beatles. So he just basically starts, you know, trying to write better shit than the Beatles, trying to be more interesting than the Beatles. Right. So, so were the Beatles at all aware or caring at all about this? Or was it just a one-way thing? I think at first it was just a one-way thing, but uh, I don't think they really cared until after Pet Sounds, you know? But okay. I can't speak for Paul McCartney. Yeah, I don't really know. Um, I can't get inside the mind of Paul McCartney. No, 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 no. So then in November of 1964, Brian, he's 22 years old at this point, he has a panic attack on a plane to Australia. And this is in the film? No. Oh, there's another panic attack on a plane. This is the first one. The second one is in the film. Ah, I see. Yeah, so maybe they merged them both into one. They were going to Australia. And he was he was uh he got the pilot to wire his sixteen year old girlfriend Marilyn that he loved her and then they got engaged, and when I heard that I was like nine oh, twenty two years old sixteen year old girlfriend they'd been together f- for a while already that's really weird. <laughs> it was the nineteen sixties I think it was a exactly that was then my second that was yeah I guess it was different times. It wasn't like uh, some of the other stories I've read where it's a lot more clandestine you know creepy shit. He would like go and like stay with her and her right, parents yeah. and like you know. Uh, he, he said he actually, he, he loved going and staying with them apparently because he felt like part of their family. Um, and I think they are probably a nicer family right. environment judging by how much he, judging by how much More he is. Um, yeah. So he, yeah. Has a, he has a panic attack on a plane. They get married uh, in 1964. Then here we are in the movie in 1965 uh, on a plane to Texas. He has another panic attack. And this one they kind of describe as like a mental breakdown. Um, because like when the plane landed, they like he called his mother and he they, he made his mother like drive to come pick him oh, up. Okay. So basically, that's when he was like in the movie. He was like, "No, I'm not gonna go on tour." Right. Al, Al and Mike were sad about it. Apparently, Dennis was angry and threw furniture. <laughs> this is because he told them he didn't want to go on tour. Yeah, that he wasn't gonna tour anymore. I don't know. They seemed pretty cool with it in the movie. Yeah, they did seem extremely cool. They were like, I don't know about this, man. Yeah, Dennis throwing furniture. <laughs> it was not in the movie. But apparently Carl was the only one that was like truly like on board with it. Right. I don't know, Carl seemed um, pretty chill. He seems pretty cool, yeah. Um, But you know who was not happy? Mike about Love? It? Well, yeah, Mike Love was not happy, <laughs> but Murray Wilson was also not happy. Wasn't? Why does he give a fuck, man? He's not... Working with them anymore? I know. Well, why does he give a fuck? And why would Brian give a fuck about what Murray Him gives a fuck? Not giving about? a fuck <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, according to Marilyn, they would drive up to Hawthorne, and Brian would play Murray songs. Um, yeah. So they kind of showed a little bit of that in the movie. Exactly. The God only uh, God only knows scene. And I think. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, this song fucking sucks. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like I don't like it. So what? Give Go me my home. Opinion. Yeah. <laughs> like get out of my house. You're gonna raise your voice uh, in my house. Leave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so that's apparently kind of true. And then, uh, yeah, so what's also true is the Elder Wilson's divorce in 1965, which the uh, which Marie did not take well as well, which I think they show a bit of in the movie, but... Yeah, well, they allude yeah. to it. Yeah. Um, according to uh, one of... I think a guy... So this is this is could be very much not true because this is just according to a guy who was interviewed in the movie... Uh, named Dave Nolan, who was just credited as friend. 
Oh, friend of the yeah. Beach Boys. So he's, but he said there was an argument where Brian ripped Murray's glasses off of his face because Murray was like, you'll never be a man. And, uh, and oh, uh, Brian ripped his glasses off his face and broke them and was like, I'm more of a man than you'll ever be. And like, you know, ran off. <laughs> wow. Pretty intense so shit. what was the, if you can remember in the movie, what was the most like, like, outlandishly pathetic thing that Murray did. Can you recall? Uh, I don't know. Just kind of showing up at the Beach Boys recording session. And what did sessions. he do? He played them a record by some band that he was and working with. Well, he just shows up and then he's like, check out this shit. Better than your fucking Beach Boys music. Yeah, he shows up like he's hot <laughs> shit with a record that sounds exactly like, you know, the Beach Boys early music. And he's like, this is going to sell a million records. So if you, you know, this is what a hit record sounds like, Brian. I don't know if that interaction actually happened. Oh, yeah? But what did happen is uh, Murray... Well, we certainly know that he dropped in on their recording studios. Well, we certainly know that. recording sessions, right? Yeah. And we also certainly know that Murray began managing a group called the Sunrays. Yeah. Which is led by uh, a Murray apologist named Rick Hen. Okay. Um, Rick Hen is the guy who was like, Every time they wanted like a pro Murray opinion on the in the documentary, they would cut to him. Right, and Mike Hen would say something for pro Murray, and he was the one who said like, "No, I don't think he was jealous. No, he certainly wasn't jealous of." Uh, I think Mike Love also had some pro Murray opinions. Yeah, I'm sure he did. Um, so here's what here's what here's what Wikipedia says about the Sunrays. The Sunrays um, were an American band from Pacific Palisades, California. The group was led by singer-songwriter slash drummer Rick Hen, who was a friend of the Beach Boys member Carl Wilson. In 1964, Murray Wilson, the father of Brian, Carl, and Dennis Wilson of the Beach Boys, started managing them and changed their name to the Sunrays. Eddie Medora switched from the saxophone to the rhythm guitar. This is hilarious. Stephen O'Reilly, who played lead guitar and sang left the band when, quote, I live for the sun began to break, saying, quote, I don't want to be in the group anymore. I think I can make it on my own. <laughs> uh, needless to say, Steve O'Reilly does not have his own Wikipedia page. I, I was really hoping that he, he later went on to become, like, you know, some really successful artist. Yeah, yeah. It's like, and you actually know him as, like, I don't know, some pseudonym. No, unfortunately not. <laughs> And apparently they toured the United States and opened for the Beach Boys. <laughs> that's it's so pathetic. Yeah, that's pretty it's pathetic. Like, so that's where Murray kind of leaves the goes by the sidelines for a while now. Right, he does his own thing. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like in the movie, like they they certainly emphasized certain things. Like Murray kind of took a backseat in this film. How so? Because I think they really wanted to focus on like you know. The stuff with Eugene Landy. Yeah, um, yeah. They they gave like they more alluded to the stuff about his father. They didn't really get into it as much. Yeah. But I mean, he he was fairly prominent in the early bit. But yeah, they didn't really go into it. Yeah. A hell of a lot. Uh, whereas like somebody like Mike Love, you know, <laughs> came off as a dick in the film, but in real life he was an even bigger dick. Yeah, he was even worse than he came off in the film. Um, <laughs> so so far we're pretty accurate, you know. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, certainly. I don't think there's any outright fabrication so yep. far. According to Marilyn Wilson, the uh, you know the scene where he does LSD for the first time? 
You know where the guy who yeah. looks like Charles Manson gives him the LSD? So we don't know if he got LSD from we Charles d- Manson. It's possible. It, it is possible. I don't think he got his first hit of LSD from Charles Manson. I don't think that's possible. Okay. Because I right. don't think he had met Charles Manson at this point. So, but according to his wife, he did, in fact, do LSD and then say he saw yeah, God. Yeah, he, like, woke her up in the morning being like, I saw God, and then started, like, uncontrollably weeping. She described it exactly like it played out in the movie. Mm. So I think they may have used that interview for the movie. <laughs> so Brian began recording uh, Pet Sounds, and the Beach Boys yep. started touring Japan. So, you know, again, all accurate, all accurate. Um, according to Brian, mm-hmm. Mike was not down with, with him. Pet Sounds. Because Mike's a fucking yeah with the music at all doesn't like fun music. Um, according to Brian, he said they shook hands and the, and he said he's like you get to make one album where you explore. This is what Mike Love said to Brian. You get to explore for one album, um, and Brian said that album was Pet Sounds, uh, and Mike Love referred to it as ego music. <laughs> Fuck Mike Love. It's not even a Wilson. Not man. even a Wilson. The movie does like kind of make the like you know dueling interests slightly more sympathetic yeah well i mean yeah they kind of talk about how pet sounds didn't sell that well or whatever right which i don't think and it, it is like yeah you know like the other guys are in the band but at the same time it seems like every beach boy except for mike love kind of acknowledged the fact that they were just along yeah. for the ride every beach boy except for mike love was into it well not right? even, yeah well they were into the music but they were also just like they they knew they were just along for the ride you know with brian wilson I don't think yeah, they had yeah. their own identity, and I don't think they really wanted even... I mean, I can't speak for them again, obviously. I'm no expert, but from what I gathered, it just seems like mm-hmm. they were just willing to go along with what Brian wanted, <laughs> whereas Mike had a different yeah. opinion. So, so a lot of the, his lyrics at this point were written by a guy named Tony Asher. Yeah, so Tony Asher wasn't really in the movie at all, was he? No. no. I th- Which I thought was really weird. I think they kind of merged his character with uh, uh, Van Dyke Parks. Right, but Van Dyke Parks, who barely gets referred to in the movie, actually, although is a character is in it, okay, yeah. is like doesn't show up until like later on in the movie. The way it kind of works, it's like it kind of it kind of implied that Brian came up with all the lyrics himself, right? It certainly did imply that. Yeah, and I think I think there is this kind of thing in music where they people don't like to let on when people don't write the lyrics because pe- you know that's a lot of the time that's what people connect to the music with. Right. Well, I mean, you it's know. not that Brian didn't not write the lyrics. He just didn't write all of them. <laughs> so um, it's just there was a guy that was pretty important to making this album and he basically wasn't shown in the movie, which I think is kind of weird. It, it's incredibly weird. And it's because yeah. they, you know, it just, it just goes to show, you know, how, what, you know, the value they put on that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Apparently, according to Tony Asher, Mike Love would say stuff like, you know, why are we recording this stupid songs? During vocal sessions, you know. Well, yeah, which which he did in the film. In the film, he's like, "Let's all hold on to our egos." Is this a drug song? Like, yeah, exactly. And like, and apparently Asher was like, you know, in the studio, and he would say stuff like that. And Asher was like, you know, like what? I don't need this. Why am I here? You know, in the interview. So it's yeah, like, exactly. You know, little bit of that. Uh, yeah, I mean, why are you here, Mike? Um, so yeah, Pet Sounds, as we saw in the movie in real life, also did not do very well. Um, yeah. But like basically two months or two or three months after it comes out, you know, Capitol Records panics and puts out a uh, a best of. Right, but 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 they also they also um, I don't know if Pet Sounds is over by the time they start working on Good Vibrations, but that also came around like around good the same vibrations? time, isn't it? 
And that was a massive hit, as well, that took shown in the film. M- months to record. Yeah, you know, because of the uh, yeah. cellos and shit. So the A&E documentary, this is, again, why I'm quoting the A&E documentary, because this is just a quote from the documentary, not from anybody in it. Um, they said uh, Brian was using, quote, amphetamines and hashish while he was working on good vibes. Um, and they, they also... You know, the kind of things that give you good vibes, I guess. Yeah, apparently the mixture of hashish and and, uh, and, uh, and feminines gives you good vibes, apparently. Right. Um, that's not an endorsement from Green Kick Commentary. No, no definitely not. Hashish. <laughs> um, I do endorse hashish, though. You should go out and do some of that. <laughs> um, apparently the sandbox thing was, was true as well. The, sandbo- the piano in the sandbox, according to this documentary. Um, yeah, but did he come up with good vibrations while... Just playing that random chord progression and Mike's loves like you know that's pretty good. They did not mention any of that, but apparently. Yeah. Uh, and what about dogs? Because they were talking about like dogs being able to feel vibrations. <laughs> is that is that how they came up with it? Uh, I don't know that that's how they came up with it, but he did have a lot of dogs around, so. Right. That part is true. So. And they could feel the vibrations. They didn't mention any of that, but what is true is apparently Tony Asher wrote the lyrics, but Mike Love didn't like them, so he wrote new ones. Fucking asshole. Fucking asshole, but, you know. Wait, so Mike Love wrote the Good Vibrations lyrics, did he? Well, I don't really? know if those are, if that's what ultimately was released, but when when Mike Love first saw Tony Asher's original lyrics, he was he wrote, rewrote some of them because he didn't like them. So I don't know if he wrote, rewrote all of them, but okay. he rewrote some of them. So then, obviously, Good Vibrations does extremely well, um, as you mentioned. And then, then that's when Van Dyke Parks comes into the picture because they start working on Smile. Yeah. So this is the album that never exactly. gets finished. At that or time. at that time. Um, yeah. Brian, <laughs> this is just a weird little in, uh, bit. Which, which isn't shown isn't in the movie. Isn't shown in the movie, but they had photographs of it. So apparently Brian got like obsessed with health, and he opened a health store on the Sunset Strip. Which is especially strange because he was not a healthy person no. at this time. Like he's like on tons of drugs, but he got obsessed with like you know nutrition and health. He's on tons of drugs, is <laughs> obese, and, and apparently, like, apparently, according to one yeah. person who was being interviewed, he would work. He would sometimes work at the store. That would be really weird, just going, going to, to buy, buy supplements like, you know, or whatever. I don't know what you're buying. And Brian Wilson's there, be like, you know, man, these give you good vibrations. It must, I hope it was called good vibrations. I hope so. But yeah, things were getting kind of, you know, intense at this point. They would like only record several bars at a time. Um, uh, apparently, Brian told one of his friends he wanted to him to go get into a bar fight so he could record it because he thought that would be funny to have on the record. And the guy was like, oh, what? But what if it yeah. goes too far? What if I get hurt? And Brian was like, oh, yeah, maybe you shouldn't do that. Um, did he by any chance record any barnyard animals or uh, didgeridoos? I don't know about didgeridoos, but there were definitely some barnyard animals. Uh, I think you can even hear yeah. it on the record. Um, yeah, you can if you listen to the the new smile um, that's recently been released. So it's basically at this point uh, uh, that he starts going kind of off the deep end and like you know full Dewey Cox walk hard. Uh, Brian Wilson. Yeah, it's sort of like 1,000 uh, didgeridoos, you know, gotta record this goat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And even that, like, you know, that clip with the fireman's helmet we mentioned it last week, which was like, you know... Yeah, that was real, step- eh? I, I, I found pictures of it. Yeah, yeah, there's a whole video of it. Of it and it's like, they recreated yeah. it. And we were talking about how it was a step too far. Um, but no, it, it was real. Yeah, 
I was surprised. Yeah, exactly. Seems like something Dewey Cox would do. Exactly, which is why that movie is so good. Yeah. Um, but apparently, apparently, according to one of the people interviewed, he began to think his house was was bugged by both Murray and Phil Spector. Okay. Um, yeah, actually, he does talk about Phil Spector listening to him. Yeah, and frankly, oh yeah, who Phil knows? Spector. That seems like you know something Phil Spector might do. It seems beyond Murray. It seems like something he want would want to do, but wouldn't have the means. Yeah. I think it's well Phil within Spector. Phil Spector's like abilities to get that done. Yeah, Phil Spector's like, I want to know what Brian Wilson's up to. Yeah, surprised he didn't think He's Paul McCartney was listening to him or whatever. Paul McCartney's all the way over, all overseas. I don't know. He could he could arrange that. That's true. He could set it up. He's Paul freaking McCartney. Yeah, exactly. Um, and apparently, because of this, he did have meetings in the pool, according to the same person. So it it, it could not be true, but this person who... Well, I think there are enough people that would be able to corroborate it, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, kind of in order to deal with this, uh, his kind of deteriorating state, instead of, like, you know, getting him, like, mental health support, they were like, okay, well, Brian doesn't really want to leave his house, so let's build a studio in his living room. <laughs> yeah. Which... Which I think was the wrong decision. Maybe. Because I think Brian Wilson, it seems like he was trying to pull away. <laughs> Brian was? Yeah, yeah. And they just like built a studio in his living room. <laughs> I'm surprised that's not something that Brian did on his own. Yeah, well, according, it seems like it was it was Carl's idea. Right. Um, because he wanted to help Brian out, and he thought it would be easier for him. But uh, what Brian is sort of just sequestered himself in the bedroom and would like not come down unless he heard something he really liked. And even then, who knows if he would, you know, right. appear. So this is like he's getting super eccentric here, and um, this is all this is the Manson era. So th- this is while they're recording Smile. Yeah, this is kind of just as Smile's falling apart, basically. Right. And getting kind of push the side um yeah so this is when dennis wilson meets manson and manson starts hanging out with them and they record a manson song um, was brian wilson involved in this song i don't think he was i think he was sequestered in his bedroom right i think this is when they were the desperate for material because brian like, oh, was yeah. it, it is it is dennis the one that was hanging out with uh yeah yeah charles manson yeah. yeah. Yeah, Dennis was like, Yeah, I met this cool guy this cool guy Charlie, you know, he's gonna fucking sing a song for us. Yeah, he's gonna hear listen to this listen to this far out tune. Yeah, this, man. This uh this guru road. He's talking about opening my third eye and shit and it's good <laughs> shit, you know. Yeah, so eventually yeah, like I said, he sequestered himself in his bedroom. I think he he's hiding from the studio in his living room. Yeah, and Phil Spector. Um, and Phil Spector. Um and then in nineteen sixty nine Murray sold the Beach Boys publishing rights. So I think in the film, this yeah, happens this a little earlier. Yeah, this kind of makes it seem like it happens earlier while they're doing good vibrations. In terms of the timeline, that's not accurate. But I guess maybe they just wanted to put it in the movie, but the movie wasn't actually covering that later period or middle period, yeah, I guess. Exactly. Yeah, and I think... Yeah, exactly. So they sold the publishing rights for seven hundred grand. Right. But yeah, so this, like totally fucked Brian up like really badly. He apparently didn't speak for three days afterwards mm. uh, and was just like uh, Very continued to that. become a recluse. Right. Um, and then Murray died in 1973. Uh, and I think that was kind of the catalyst for the uh, the bed phase. Right. The infamous bed phase. 
Yeah, which is kind of not necessarily dramatized in this movie, but it's referred to heavily. Yeah, well, there's that. They do kind of have it yeah. in that. That I think that last scene is supposed to be the it. The 2001 you know I mean? scene. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Because she comes to him and is like, you know, yeah. oh, your father. Yeah. You know, yeah, he had a heart attack, and then there's the 2001 scene. Exactly. Well, the the things happened, but the timelines don't necessarily match up. Which you know I can understand, just because like you know, trying to get in all the pieces you want, but then trying to make it so that it's not too long, right? It's an understandable, yeah, uh, artistic license moment. Apparently, when he would lie in bed, I don't know. If th- I kind of remember that song actually playing while he was lying in bed. But apparently, when he would lie in bed, he would play the song "Be My Baby." which is what got him into Phil Spector. He would play it up to 100 times a day because he had a record player just next to his bed. Jeez. Um, and he would play just I wonder if he had again. to replace the record because it wore out. Yeah, and I don't know if he did that. That was just, uh, that was one of the one of his friends. That's uh, an anecdote. That. Yeah. So, so uh, who, I doubt he did it for the whole fucking 2.5 years, you know, two and a half years. Is it but. true that he was eating, like, fucking steaks only? Well, it seems that he was eating that. One of his daughters told a story where he, um, he was like, she was like, one of the only like family dinners I remember us having. He like he came down, you know, and my uh, my mother had given him like you know a steak, and it was on the on the plate in front of him, but he didn't have any cutlery, so he was like, Marilyn, can you can you get me some cutlery? And then uh, she said, by the time he got, by the time she got back with the fork, the steak was gone, and and he was off playing the piano. Jeez. <laughs> so he gets, he goes full Jim Morrison. I mean, he really just goes Brian Wilson. Yeah, he goes know. full Brian Wilson, and his substance abuse issues get pretty bad, you know. Yeah, like from what I understand, the seventies, which is the period that's not really covered in yeah. the film, were really that's, rough. That's kind of where we are. Right now, because Murray died in 1973, yeah. and between 1973 and 1975, things that's when he's in, in bed, and things are just really, really bad. Um, so in 1975, that's when Marilyn gets in contact with Dr. Eugene Landy, right. who had worked with Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper, really? Yeah. <laughs> so Eugene Landy is obviously one of the... Pivotal yes. characters in this film. And he has now entered the scene in reality. Basically, he there's an interesting... It's I don't know that this is exactly made clear in the film, but he basically has two run-ins with Landy. Yeah. And this is the yeah, first he one, does. which is 1975. And so it seems like things are kind of, like, working a little bit with Landy at first, right? Well, yeah. I don't, like, it's hard to say from, like, a, in, like, a retrospective way just because, like, of, you know, how much more we yeah, know exactly. about mental health and substance abuse than <laughs> we yeah. did then. But, you know, it, back in the, in the 70s, you know, Dr. Landy got him got him back on tour in, you know, in six months. Uh, got him clean and lost, you yeah. know, lost 20 pounds and he was back on tour is what they said. Well, I mean, so he, he, he stopped doing, doing drugs and shit yeah. for a while. At least. And then they made that SNL thing that we were talking about earlier. Are you Brian Wilson? Yes, I am. Good afternoon, Mr. Wilson. We're from the Highway Patrol, Surf Squad. Hello. Uh, Brian, uh, we have a citation here for you, sir, under Section 936A of the California Catch-A-Wave Statute. Uh, Brian, you're in violation of Paragraph 12, failing to surf, neglecting to use a state beach for surfing purposes, and otherwise avoiding surfboards, surfing, and surf. Surfing? I don't want to go surfing. Now, look, you guys, I'm not going. You get your hair wet, you get sand in your shoes. Okay, I'm not going. Come on, Brian. Let's go surfing now. Everybody's learning how. Come, Come on, on a safari, safari with us. us. 
Yeah, so, so that, that was, was around that, that time. That was 1976, which is just after he he not just after, but after he had formed a bond with Landy. Um, apparently, he only went in the water because he was developing a serious fear of water at this point. Um, he only went in the water because he had so- a signed note from Doctor Landing uh, that said, "You won't drown, Brian." Signed, Doctor Landy. But yeah, so this is the one and only instance that I'm aware of where I've ever seen me, Brian me as well. surf. That's it. And it was involving Dan Aykroyd was making him do it at gunpoint. So, I mean, that's that's reasonable. You know, I'd do anything Dan Aykroyd told me to do. Yeah, well, especially <laughs> if he had you at gunpoint. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's crazy, man. He, he, he'll use that thing. Exactly. Um, so by this time, Landy was uh, apparently making 20 grand a month. Yeah. Which is quite a bit. Um, and he, he had a lot yeah. of control, as you can as you can imagine from the whole signed note. So Marilyn fired him because he was making... He was charging too much. Yeah, exactly. Right? Um, and then the band kind of just forced Brian back into the studio, it seems. Like, they just kind of needed... The band needed him desperately. <laughs> right. Because, you know... Naturally, you know, Mike Love can't, can't do fucking it. Yeah. get anything done. On well, and they signed so, like, they at this around this time they signed a contract. Uh, I believe it was Warner Bros. That the one of the deals of the contract was that Brian Wilson was going to write seventy percent of the music. Right, because everybody knows that the Brian Wilson stuff is the best. Yeah, exactly. It's what everybody like, wants to hear. Uh, well, we're not going to sign the Beach Boys if Mike loves writing all the fucking music. It's terrible. Yeah, it's like everything sounds like fucking Kokomo. Yeah, it's going to sound like shit. So they force him kind of back in the studio and back onto the road, and he's not into it. And he he fell off the deep end again. He relapsed and is really, really bad. And apparently Marilyn says she the last straw was when he apparently, in a stupor, he offered one of their daughters drugs. I can imagine how that would pretty much end it. Yeah, that's, um, that's bad. That's bad stuff. So at this point, the band was like, all right, well, it's either, you know, you got to get help or you can't be a beach boy. You have to take a break. Yeah, so... Th- they call up Landy again, yeah, right? Because he, apparently, you know, he's the only one who's shown any ability to 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 sort of get a handle on to Brian, reach him. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, so Landy yeah. takes over again in the early 1980s, um, and you know, Marilyn. But but Landy, at this point, he charges even more money, right? He, uh, oh, it's more. Yeah, gets him to sign over some uh, agreements that put him in a lot of control. Right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, Marilyn admitted, you know, like, she's gone at this point. Like, she left, but she said he was the only one who, like, the only one who helped. Um, and Yeah, and I think even actually, like, if you listen to what a lot of things that Brian has said, like, even more recently, like, he see, he seems, he himself seems very conflicted about... Uh, oh, absolutely. About Landy. Um, like, um, although, like, it should be, like, clear that, like, although Landy managed to get him clean and everything, like... Lenny didn't know what the yeah, fuck he was doing. Yeah, specifically in a second. Um, so, but three months yeah. out in the early '80s, you know, so three months after Bri- our Landy's on, like Eugene's on the scene again, um, Brian's on the road again, which to me seems extremely quick. You know, um, both times it seems yeah, like the definitely. turnaround is really quick. Um, and then tragically, yeah. this is uh, 1983 when Dennis Wilson dies in a in a scuba diving accident, um, which. I think really fucked up Brian Wilson. Um, 
Yeah, definitely. Like he he mentions it like in one of the very yeah. early scenes of the movie. Like when he's first meeting yeah. Melinda. And and this is the part of the film that I think is probably a little less accurate, but mostly because there's just kind of less less people to corroborate things with. Less information? Yeah, well, no, there's information, but it, it all comes from a few sources, you know what I mean? Exactly. It's all he said, she said. It all Basically, at this point, everything is either coming from uh, Brian Wilson, who's unreliable. Yeah, or from Landy, which is also probably unreliable since, you know... He's got. Uh, he has potential legal, you know. Uh, he's got <laughs> a clear agenda, and then basically the only other sources. Yeah, uh, only other sources. Yeah, Melinda. Melinda is is one of the big sources for this movie specifically. While there have been some concerns that she's not always the, the most reliable person. Yeah, either. I mean, like, who knows? We're never like. I think the degree that he was portrayed in the movie. Yeah. We're never going to know if it was that intense. Yeah. Or that even necessarily directly nefarious, per se. What? Just the, like, you know, screaming in his face when he was eating a hamburger. It, like, oh, we don't know Lanny? how... Well, I mean... Well, yeah, well, I mean, well, we know it was nefarious because, you know, the law got involved and, like, you know... Landy was charged with... The point, what, what I was getting yeah. at, yeah, is Landy was charged yeah. with malpractice. Um, yeah, two exactly. Two counts, specifically... Um, one was uh, improper prescription of drugs, and that he yeah. denied. And then the other one, I forget what the other one was, but it was a slightly lighter one that he pled guilty to. Right. Um, but, like, he was certainly abusing, like, you know, uh, pay, uh, doctor-patient privilege, right? Exactly. So he was he was, shouldn't have been a doctor. My point is just, like, the degree to which his abuse, like, his actual physical and mental yeah. abuse... Uh, like right. is is yeah. debatable. Well, according to, according to Melinda, it was actually worse than that than what was shown in the film. And and I think which yeah, um, there was an interview with Brian Wilson even where he said like the first scenes like when he first like saw scenes in the film with yeah that he was very scary. Yeah, he found him terrifying, and he like it was visceral, yeah. <laughs> which I can see is like if mm-hmm. if that's like the experience you had with an actual person, and then you're seeing it on a film, like it's kind of traumatizing. Yeah, like yeah, if you're not. If it's not your experience, you know? So, yeah, just to finish it off, you know, in 1984, Landy, you know, I don't think it was just Landy. I think the movie makes it sound like it was just Landy, but it was Landy and a few other people diagnosed him as uh, schizophrenic, but obviously it was at Landy's, you know, uh, pushing. So that that wasn't, he wasn't actually a schizophrenic. He, that, that was, was later. That was an Yeah, that was later right? uh, overturned, as it says in the right. movie. Yeah, it does. But yeah, so he was constantly monitored, and he was like, they would actually videotape him all the time, and like screen his calls. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, he met Melinda Ledbetter. We were kind of talking about the details last week. We didn't have the exact timeline, but he met her in 1986. So this is kind of interesting. So he meets her in 1986. Um, during this period, Landy. Uh, gets Brian a solo deal and makes his first record with him. So Landy is with him the whole time he's making the Love and Mercy record, which comes out in 1988. Yeah, it is interesting that uh, they don't really talk about that music in this movie, yeah, even I found though that extremely this movie interesting. is named after that song. Yeah. They don't have that at all. 
so I don't know, like he's supposed to be recording something with Landy at some point in this film, but it's not really clear as to what that is and if that's this. And it is this, because that's what they did, right? <laughs> or if it was something that he was recording that never happened, right? Never ended up. Well, right. I see what released, you're saying. Right. Or yeah. If, yeah. Or it's not a clear like the way I first assumed that it was when I saw the movie is that 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 record had come out before the what was happening in the film. I don't know. I'm not exactly sure, but in in real life, I am sure that Love and Mercy the record comes out. Wait, in is the album called 1988? Huh? Is the album called Love and Mercy? I thought that was just the song. The record is called Brian Wilson, isn't it? It's just called Brian Wilson. There you go. Uh, yeah, the the record is called Brian Wilson by Brian, Brian Wilson. So Brian Wilson by Brian Wilson um, comes out in 1988. 1988. And then yeah. same year, Landy was charged with malpractice and lost his license. Right. Okay. So that would track that that is what they're recording. Yeah. But then it kind of makes it imply that, like, you know... They got rid of him during that. Yeah, it kind of implies that that it kind of taints that record a little bit. That movie, you know. What yeah, I mean? exactly. But I mean, whether or not all the timelines once again match up properly, who yeah, knows? Yeah, exactly. My kind of overall, this has all been the truth. And the final, what's the word? Conclusion is that, uh, you know, bias, mostly true. biases aside, like shockingly true. <laughs> Yeah, no, like, more true than I expected when I saw it. Mostly because it was, like, you know... Hammy as I, hell. Some of the stuff seemed a bit outlandish to believe. You yeah, know what I mean? and honestly, even, like, specifically the thing about his father and the sun rays, I didn't think that, that was true. Like, <laughs> I thought right. that that was... But that's 100% yeah, true. Yeah, I thought that, like, yeah. that was that was a bridge too far. Like, Murray's character is just right. almost too pathetic to believe in some ways, you know? I mean, for me, the, the, ones, the part that I found most weird was like you know just uh like melinda's character and how she you know behaves in a lot of circumstances not how you would expect a normal person yeah you to mentioned behave. that last week yeah and you know i i just also think that it's notable that she was the primary source for this film so you just find it kind of questionable yeah i mean not that any like particular event that happened in the movie isn't true but just you know the way that she's written just seems really kind of weird. Yeah, well, she's written, like, what's her motivation, you know? Exactly. Like, she just kind of, like, dives headfirst into, like, this whole Brian thing, you know, yeah. very quickly. And, you know, maybe that was just to, like, expedite the plot. But, you know, who knows? Uh, if somebody approached me like that uh, while I was at work and just, you know, <laughs> while I was selling Cadillacs and, you know just acted, like, really bizarre, you know? I, my yeah. first reaction would not be to, like, yeah, yeah, give true, him but, my Well, you're not married number. to Brian Wilson, so there's probably a reason for that. No, I'm not. You know, you're not no, the kind of person not. who would do that. So uh, maybe if you um, were, you'd be married to Brian Wilson right now. You need to be more open to strangers acting weirdly at your job. Do you ever... How many strangers do you have at your place of work? Uh, No one, basically. <laughs> you never encounter outsiders, huh? Yeah, almost never, yet. In fact, if we do, we're supposed to uh, call security. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, but uh, <laughs> wow, wow, yeah, that really uh, insulates you from the possibility of even <laughs> yeah, encountering a stranger. No, definitely not. Um, anyway, what was I gonna say? Uh, yeah. So basically, there were also some comments from some other people around Brian Wilson about whether or not everything. Uh, 
Melinda said was completely accurate. Yeah. Yeah, specifically, like, his daughter kind of compared his, compared her to uh, Eugene Landy. Yeah. Um, basically saying that, like, basically implying that, like, you know, she was in control of him now or whatever. Right, it was just like she has the exact same motivations, basically like what Landy is saying at the end of the movie. Yeah, once again, I don't know if that's I don't know if that's true or not. I'm just I mean, know. that's totally it it just I think that there's a there's there's a lack of information here and I think that it's kind of hard I to think, yeah, uh, it's it's hard to know if you're being completely truthful when you make a movie like yeah, this. Yeah, and it's it's uh it's it's definitely one of those things like no one's a uh, necessarily saying that she's fucking lying about anything. It's no, just, I'm not saying that she is either. I'm just It's just that yeah, yeah as you say it's it's it, it can be a, it's a lot of information that can't be corroborated and from you could, one you source. And you could be ex- like her motivations being the same as Landy's is not outlandish. You yeah. know like that's not an obscene thing to suggest. Exactly. Someone could could do that and you know it wouldn't be totally weird for like you know if someone put all the work into you know freeing this person from that shitty scenario it's like either a they care about them or b they want their money so it's not that weird to ask the question once again we're not making any allegations that's that's literally what i'm saying is it's like that's why it's not weird to ask the question because it's one of those two options yeah. Um. And this movie portrays it like it's the first one, and you know most cases point, and it's never black and white, but most cases point to that she's yeah he's a lot better off now. Yeah. It w- it would definitely appear that way. And I that's unfortunately, the truth has failed us in that regard. Is that we didn't come to we didn't find the truth in that regard. We didn't. We found out that the film is accurate, but we don't fucking know. Yeah, more or less. And according to Brian, it's somewhat accurate, but you know. Yeah. He's not always the most reliable person yeah. either. Yeah, exactly. So, and I feel like Brian's yeah. like, Brian, I don't know if we're ever going to get... Well, I feel like Brian is sort of vulnerable to manipulation, as it were. Yeah. I don't know if we're ever going to get... Yeah. I think Brian's far down the rabbit hole. I don't know if we're ever going to get a truly, a yeah, truly exactly. clear story from Brian. No, I don't really think but so. All, I just hope he's um, happy, man. He's just, you know... That's yeah, all I man. hope. He, he seems... He seems better i guess yeah, he seems better off um he's not yeah. getting improper prescription of drugs <laughs> no definitely not that's that's definitely a very important uh, that's good um so perfect. we have yeah. one last little note before we uh go off on this movie yeah so uh one thing i kind of i did mention this before is that this movie really wanted to focus on eugene yeah. landy right and why he was you know a bad guy but you know, I think in the process, it kind of, you know, lessened the impact of noted bad guy, Mike Love. <laughs> yeah, noted shitty guy, Mike Love. Um, yeah, Mike Love sucks. And, like, actually, so, like, the where this movie ended is, like, you know, I think the villain of Brian's life actually ceased to be Eugene Landy and began to be Mike Love. Exactly. Which is Because shortly after this movie, there was a lawsuit between... Brian and Mike. Yeah, well, do you care to go into that? Yeah, let me talk about it a, a little bit. Um, but basically, Mike Love claimed that he he should have got credits on a bunch of shit 
basically like songwriting credits, basically like the the whole Robbie Robertson, Levon Helm band situation as well. Credit, yeah, he tried to get credit on some songs so that he could get more royalties, even though, you know, Mike Love was the, I mean, Mike Love seemed like he was doing all right at this time, you know? He he had his fake Beach yeah, Boys, you know? money moves, power move, money grab. You know, who knows how much Mike Love actually wrote my guess is, based on what I've heard, that he has actually wrote not much of the good stuff. Yeah, like, maybe he had a few ideas, but it's kind of like, you know, um, like, have you heard Levon Helm's original songs? No, uh, you should probably explain what this is about, because I don't think that many people are that familiar with the situation with the band. Uh, well, I don't want to get too far into it, because it's not that related. It's just a similar situation with a different band, where one person... A band yeah, called the where band. one person gets all the songwriting credits and one other person in the band disagrees with how that goes. But, you know, when one person, in this case, uh, Brian Wilson, is literally the person who, like, writes everything down <laughs> and is, like, you know, in the studio doing it, then that's how you get your name on the... Yeah, when one guy is literally in Japan while yeah, all exactly. this is happening. So, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. People get shafted in that in, in that biz all the time. I'm sure. Like, yeah, no, and I'm definitely. sure to a degree he probably yeah. wasn't getting the credit he deserved in some cases. But ultimately, you're fucking suing Brian Wilson. And then he also wrote Kokomo and didn't invite Brian to be part of it. Yeah, he wrote, and then he bragged about it. Yeah, and he bragged about his number one hit, Kokomo, which is a shitty song. Yeah, he wrote <laughs> Kokomo, and it was like. Brian didn't help at all, and look at Brian's record is not doing very well. Yeah, this is around the same time Brian was doing his yeah, record. Yeah, so it was like he so he called out Brian for not selling very well, and he was like, "Look at how great our Beach Boys record is doing." He's like, "Fuck you, Mike Love." Yeah, I know. And then he also um, he also ruined the Beach Boys Rock and Roll Hall. Oh of yeah, Fame well we've mentioned that already. He in two ways. First of all, he interrupted Brian in the middle of his speech, and then he goes on some weird ass rant, just like. <laughs> Now, a lot of people are going to go out of this room tonight thinking that Mike Love is crazy. Well, they've been saying that for years. About Mick Jagger yeah. and something. And there's something so funny about being like, yeah, Mick Jagger's too chicken shit to get on stage with the Beach Boys. I know Mick Jagger won't be here tonight. He's going to have to stay in England. But I'd like to see us in the Coliseum in Hume Limley Stadium because he's always been chicken shit to get on stage with the Beach Boys. Yeah, that's a great insult. Such a great, yeah, insult. great insult. You know, I think Mick Jagger is fine with that. <laughs> I don't think he's too disturbed by yeah, that. You know, like, fucking Mick Jagger gives two fucking shits about Mike Love. <laughs> like, I, no, I, I don't doubt think he knows so. who Mike Love is. <laughs> I mean, he probably does know who Mike Love is. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he probably knows who the Beach Boys are, obviously. I'm sure he knows who the Beach Boys are. I don't know that he knows who Mike Love is. All right. Uh... <laughs> We should find it. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure they've met. Uh, um, what was I going to say? Also, okay, so, but this isn't the end of it. Like, Mike Love, basically, you know, the biggest dumb thing that he's ever done is make the fake Beach Boys. Yeah. Which is so, essentially, because right now, like, any performance that is under the name of the Beach Boys is actually not the Beach Boys. It's Mike Love and Friends. Yeah, well, what they, what do they do? They had, like, a reunion concert. And then basically, so I don't really understand this, but something about how the legal... I don't understand how Mike Love ended up with the 
you know. Yeah, but uh, like maybe it had something to do with the lawsuit. Like maybe he got to use the yeah, name. Yeah, or maybe it had maybe he got Brian to sign it over like by manipulating him. Yeah, like maybe like honestly who the fuck knows. Like, you but know. point being is Mike Love yeah. ended up with the rights to the Beach Boys name. So he just kicked them all out of the band after doing it. He did a reunion tour to drum up hype and then kicked out all the actual yeah. Beach Boys. Yeah, and so now you know, the Beach Boys is in fact the only member of the touring band that calls itself the Beach Boys is in fact yeah. Mike Love. He also used that fucking touring band to go play at like some Trump yeah, benefits and shit like that. Which, by the way, is something that Brian and Al Jardine, the surviving yeah. members of the Beach Boys at this point, I think, were yeah, very were not, not down with. They were not down. Yeah, I mean, you know. And it's like, yeah, to use the Beach Boys name in, like, so politically in, like, you know. You know, it's not even the fucking Beach Boys is the thing. You're, you're, like, faking yourself as being the Beach Boys when really you're just, like, fucking Mike Love's vanity project. It's just stupid. It's so stupid. Yeah, fuck Mike Love. Yeah, fuck Mike Love. Don't. Don't go to a Beach Boys concert. Go to a Brian Wilson concert. Exactly. If you're gonna, if you want to hear Beach Boys music, go to a Brian Wilson concert. I don't know. Is he allowed to play? The... Beach... I mean, he probably is because he did. Yeah, run. I'm sure he's allowed yeah. to play. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. sure he's got the rights to play. Yeah, whether yeah. or not he so, owns yeah. it. Go see Brian Wilson because, like, because he's still. And if you've watched any of his like uh, recent performances, he's still got a voice. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah, For a guy in his uh, what late seventies, early eighties now. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. But anyway, Mike Love's just a fucking dick, you know? Yeah, so the point of this is fuck Mike Love. He he's trying to take credit for all the fucking Beach Boys success. Uh and and he was so mean to Brian when Brian was trying to do new music and you know, and then he tries to take credit for that music that you didn't want to happen in the first yeah, place, you know what I mean? Yeah, he's just a fucking jerk. Yeah, exactly. Just a little fucking jerk. We don't like him. Yeah. He's not a friend of the podcast, but he is invited on to Yeah, to, to to defend himself. Yeah, I'm not sure how well he well, he's invited. Do that, but we'll at the very see. least, have a fist fight with you, and we'll record it. We'll record the audio. <laughs> yeah. The audio. Well, yeah, we'll record the audio of the fist uh, fight and put it on uh, our smile album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, then we'll send um, it to Brian Wilson. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is for you, Brian Wilson. We thought you would enjoy this so, audio recording of me fighting Mike Love. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you might like that. But, uh, I think you yeah, would. anyway, that's this episode. That's this week's episode. We've gone for a while now, so we'll we'll get out of here. Yeah, we'll just, anyway, so yeah, final thoughts, yeah, final thoughts yeah. here. Um, so, yeah, I think this movie is, is enjoyable. Um, and I think after. I think this movie is enjoyable if you know and like the Beach Boys. Yeah, yeah. Um. And also, if you do know and like the Beach Boys, you might also it's, find it's it. It's a weird combination. It's one of those music. It's more about, in my opinion, at least, this movie is more about the fact that I've spent since I've been watching it. I've been on a Beach Boys kick. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. One hundred percent. Like I think the big, the biggest strength of this movie is that you know, it gets you into the Beach Boys. You know what I mean? Exactly. It just portrays the the Beach Boys story in an interesting way. But that said, I think that as a movie, this movie like falls short in a number of aspects. Yeah, it's not the best movie, and it could be better. There's a lot of ways you could make it a 
a better movie, but it's a fine it's a fine romp. If you like the Beach Boys, you might find this film interesting. Uh, might be worth a watch. I don't know. I would, there are a lot of movies I would watch instead of this, but you know. All right. So, yeah. So we'll be we'll be back next week with a special holiday episode. Yeah, you know, you, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's getting around that time of year. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, so, uh, shout out to all our listeners in Poland. Woo! <laughs>